1: So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula 1 and we like to relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform, of course, you choose to follow us on. And guys, before we thought we'd do something a little bit different on the DNF1 F1 podcast, we've done regular F1 news updates. We've done regular talk on F1 races, reviews or previews for that matter. We've also tried a little bit of gaming, which, of course, some of you weren't really keen on, but that's fine. We might be able to bring that back in the future. And of course, we've done our series for women in motorsport, which, of course, we will be doing more of those episodes in the future, given the positive feedback that we've received from you guys. But we're going to try something a little bit different today. We are going to do something, a new series, if you like, called Motorsport Diaries. And basically what that's going to be about is I'm going to be interviewing some guests in the motorsport world to get their take on their experiences in motorsport, what they've been up to, and of course, get their thoughts on the Formula One World Championship as well. And there's plenty to get into that, of course. And joining me on the first episode, a young man who I've had some experience working with on the online esports scene for like a good friend of mine it's uh, Alex Bomberg. Alex sure I've saved your surname right I usually prefer to refer I usually prefer to refer to you by your online tag name so famously <laughs> a while ago since you changed it but uh first of all how are you doing this evening you okay?
0: Yeah I'm, I'm fine thank you very much for having me Adam it's a, it's a pleasure to join you I've been a fan of this podcast for, for a while always gets me up to my drives to races you know when you're driving two and a half hours down to Milton Keynes, sometimes it's quite nice to to pop on um, and, and get you through the drive. So yeah, massively happy to join. And um, yeah, you, you did get the surname right, thankfully.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always prefer to refer to your online tag. And I'm not going to say that on here because I think that just ruined the surprise. If you want to find out more, you're going to have to follow Alex on his Instagram, which of course I will leave A description and a link, of course, if you are watching on YouTube. If, of course, you are following us on all major podcasting platforms, you can check Alex out on his social media as well. But we'll get into all the plug-in and everything else later on. But uh, Alex, of course, as part of this series, we're going to be talking about your motorsport background. And, of course, a, a young man such as yourself... Um, your experience of course won't be as lengthy as perhaps some other people that we may invite in the future but of course you very much uh, are involved in karting and in particular the uh, BPEC series the British Pro Endurance Championship if that's correct Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what that is exactly and obviously what format that entails?
0: Yeah so um, BPEC is we refer to it as BPEC Um, it's an endurance series that, that takes part in the UK and it goes to a lot, a lot of tracks, um, and it's different formatted, uh, different formatting endurance races. So some will be six hours, and then I think there's um, there's one double header, six hour, and one weekend. So, and this is for next year's calendar because they released it a couple of days ago. Uh, there's a double header in a place called Rora, and then as always, the 24 hour in Teesside. Um, and the teams go around and um, compete in the races.
1: Okay, that sounds really interesting actually. So obviously you're competing in different endurance formats. H- how often would you turn up to races? Is it on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or is just according to the calendar as it is?
0: It's. I think it's It's more likely about a month. Sometimes you have one race every two weeks, sometimes there's one every five or six weeks. But I think on average it works out at about one th- once a month throughout the year.
1: Okay, so um, obviously, you you know, you've been doing these series for a little while now. Um, How how exactly did you manage to get into this series? Because it's not one that I've personally heard of. I mean, I've competed in karting um, probably when I was a bit younger than when you were in the juniors. And I'll be honest with you, this is a new format for me, but it's one that intrigues me because I do love a bit of endurance racing.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a lot of fun. And it, it started back in, it sort of started back in 2020 when, uh, I got a drive at the British 24, just for the 24, t- for 24 hours, sorry, um, with um, one of my friends, friends who was just running the team. And uh, it was great experience for my first time in a broke car. The results weren't fantastic. We, we had a lot of bad luck throughout the race um, and continuous bad luck throughout a 24 hour just keeps adding salt to the wound. So we just, we continued to drop down and it wasn't really a result to remember, but an experience to remember I'd say and then um fast forward to the next year uh, I wasn't going to be doing the 24-hour with them again um for whatever reason they they chose to not have me um but about two weeks before the event I had a message from um another person that I know in the karting world saying are you up for doing a 24-hour I've got a mate who needs a driver so I was like "I was okay let's see what this is all about and, and um to cut a long story short I about six hours later I had to drive for the 24 hour and out to the hotel to get down to Teesside in about a week's time.
1: Oh Jesus that must have been a nightmare to sort out I mean I, I'm guessing you're probably exhausted by the time you got there but I suppose for those um if they're F1 fans or those that aren't familiar with how an endurance race format works how would you sort of describe it to them or break it down for them?
0: I think Simply put, the format of it is non-stop racing for a team um, for a, a length of time. Obviously, I mentioned the 24-hour, uh, but we also do six hours as well, which um, are just as grueling and um, not as fun. So
1: is there a format that you would prefer to do? Do you prefer the six-hour format or the 24 one, or is it really any different at all? It's just just as grueling?
0: I think they are both completely different because with the six-hour one, Um in a team of three, you can get away with you know two stints each, and it's relatively not light work, but it's not too too tasking. In a 24-hour, if you go in with a three, I don't think you'll you'll see the other (laughs) side of it. We tried it with a three at Daytona back in 2020, uh at the back end of the 24-hour that was um delayed due to COVID. And um three of us did it and we were we were not well the next day. So um we, we went in with a team of five this year with with rethink racing which is who are who are raceful. um and um yeah it's just it, it's all about teamwork and you've gotta gotta work together to get to the cart to the end
1: Yeah. And of course, I'd imagine that, you know, because this isn't one of those where you can rent a car at a centre and then just go and drive around. I know certain circuits like Butmore Park and Rye House, they do similar experiences to endurance racing where you have to rent your own car. But in your case, I'd imagine it's pretty much your own car. You know, you put your own money and effort into it, of course. Um, You may have to do some work on it as well. You know, get your hands dirty. I mean, have you been involved in that side of things or is it purely just about the driving for you?
0: It's purely about the driving for me because I I don't own a car. It's not my car. I, as I say, I race for, um, his name's Luke. Uh, I race for Rethink Racing. They run the car, they prep the car. Um, and at the minute we are uh, hiring from uh, Haas Chassis. Um, they don't have, I don't think they have an affiliation to the F1 team, but uh, just a similar name. And um, so, yeah, we, we hire the chassis from Haas and then Luke sorts out, builds it, sets it up. Uh, with the help of Adam Nichols from Haas, and uh, then we go and race it.
1: Well, judging by how their chassis have been, how their performance has been this season, that's probably not necessarily a bad thing. So um, so I guess in your experience, uh, what would a normal endurance race look like for you, uh, Alex? Would you, obviously other than the driving, of course, would you have to do much prep work for the track, or is it one of those where you sort of turn up, you, you learn the circuit as you go, but you're kind of just learning all the time?
0: Yeah, if possible, I try and um, I play a lot of. I, I have a, a sim at home which I, I did some esports in a, a year or two ago, um, and if possible, I try and get um, a mod of of the track uh, onto either um, a set of Corsa or R Factor to try and just sort of get my iron um, to to really understand, you know, sort of the basics of the track, so I can go to the track with a general idea. If I can't do that, it usually just a track walk on the Thursday mo- Thursday or Friday morning um, does the job. And then you get into practice. Usually with BPEC, you have a whole day, at least one whole day testing. So that's more than enough to get your eye on before qualifying on what would be the Saturday or Sunday morning.
1: Any sort of cheeky look on YouTube videos to see other people going around? Because, I mean, I, and, and I say this sort of loosely, because whenever I turn up, even to like rental carting places, I think I went to a place called Capital Carts not long ago. I'm not sure if you've been there. It's uh, it's near Dagnum. Uh, yep. sort of up my ends and a couple of days before I went I literally just went on YouTube and I thought right it's a well-known circuit for you know recreational car- carters I'm pretty sure there are going to be people that go to their weekly club events etc and just watch videos of them on a GoPro going around and it's amazing how much you can learn because of course you mentioned a track walk which is always nice if you can going be afforded that luxury but if you're just turning up for a yep. half an hour session and you want to beat your mates if you're any good you know you need to learn the track it doesn't matter how quick you are or some of the excuses that come in if you're the lightest you're going to be the fastest all of that stuff that you hear it's always important to know the track that you're on in terms of sort of the preparation how much time do you reckon you'd spend preparing yourself if you had if you didn't have the opportunity to get in the car and as you said do a test day if you like before you actually got going
0: um as i say it is, is this presuming that I've never drove the track before and I don't know what it looks like?
1: Yeah, but even when you go back, obviously you see in the Formula One world, a lot of guys will try and refresh their memory because the sims can only do so much for them.
0: Yeah, um, I think ideally probably one to two hours is, is usually enough because as you said, the sim can only do so much. So it's all well and good doing a thousand laps around the sim on a set of course. So you've got to do that in real life because it's completely different and we don't have the exact... Well, I don't have the exact cart that we have in real life to throw into a set of course and go. Um, as fantastic as that would be. So um yeah, probably about an hour or two just to just to get the eye in and, and really be able to lap the track without having to think what's next, almost with your eyes closed, and then you're in a good place to go and then just get to the track and work on the setup and make sure you got the quickest cart come um come qualifying.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds exciting. I mean, of course, one question that springs to mind, because um, I've never done anything like a 24 uh, hour endurance race uh, in terms of cars. I think the longest I've done is about two or three hours. Um, mm. And even then, that seemed a little bit grueling considering how long you're out there for. But what do you sort of do, Alex, in between uh, when you're not in the car? Because I imagine if you're in a team of three or if sometimes four, I'd imagine that'd be ideal for a 24 hour stint. In-, in theory, you're going to have as much as 18 hours or so when you're not actually in the car. So what do you do in between that time?
0: Yeah, uh, we as, as uh, we mentioned, we ran three once, which I'm never going to do again. <laughs> um, and then uh, we ran five at the British 24 this year with Rethink, and we run five at the My Premier Daytona 24, with My Premier, sorry, um, this year at Daytona. Um, so yeah, it's um, in between... you. Yeah, <laughs> You do a lot of sitting around. You do a lot of nervous watching. You you, you sat there. You're constantly checking. I remember this show at, at the British Twenty Four at Teesside. It's live streamed with Alpha Live. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. Um, they're the same guys who did the WTF One Grand Prix the other day.
1: Oh yeah, that's the one. I remember seeing them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, they live stream the whole race, which I think is crazy. And you know, kudos to the commentators because that's uh, that's an effort and a half. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to take myself off to get my mind off it because I really was just fixated on it. And I went to go get some food and I was watching it when I was sat eating my food at this car park in Teeside. So it is hard to detach. Um, but usually you just end up sitting by one of the screens, watching the times, watching the lap times, just seeing what's what. Really just taking notes on what's going on. Um, if you're on Next, I I, <clears throat> I always try and have a look at the, the weather forecast and see what the next half an hour, two hours doing so I can sort of prepare myself for that eventuality. And um, if possible, try and get some rest. But it's it's easier said than done.
1: Yeah, I can imagine obviously as a driver you can probably you know you go around and do the best job that you can try and hope for a clean stint make up some places if you can and go as fast as possible but the moment you get out of the car I can imagine the one thing that will probably annoy me the most is my teammates coming up to me that aren't going back in the car straight after me to try and get tips if I've been going faster than them Uh, just I mean have you had that before or do you um, badger your team if you have a teammate that's gone and done a quicker stint than you just try and find where the grip is or what they're doing that you're not I think
0: Generally, we all come come the race, we're on a relatively equal pace. So it's not really a case of as soon as they get out of the cart, go and harass them about what line they're taking through XYZ, because for the I say for the British 24 hour, you have two days, two full days testing the Thursday, Friday, and then you have practice on the Friday night, and then Saturday morning you're into qualifying. So by the time you have them two days, you're really sort of usually you're on top of what's what and, and where to go on, on which corner. So it's not really a case of badgering, but if something changes on the track, it, as I say, it, it's a team environment. And with Rethink we ran two carts. So we had the 103, which I was racing in the 104. So I think that's 10 drivers, if I can do my maths. I think it is. Um but I think the 104 ran four. So it was nine drivers overall. But any little changes on track if it was a bit of drizzle, if you know some grip didn't come back or whatever changed. It was um you know that everyone was very uh they communicated well to the team to um, to let everyone know. It's, it's not it's not like a badgering process. People are just very open, and you know we're not trying to beat our teammates because ultimately it's the team that matters.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, we should we should remember motorsport it is a team sport um, as best as we can. Even though some of us prefer to be the hero. I mean, for me, I don't know. I can imagine quite a lot of back and forth between the teammates and the drivers, thinking who's going to start, who's going to finish. I mean, naturally, everyone probably would want to finish the race just in the off chance that they're the one that takes the chequered flag. I mean, have you had much of that in your team or do you just do it random and just see how it goes?
0: It's all been quite easy, actually. So it's not necessarily been random. I I put myself down to do a start at this year's 24 hour, Um, but I I don't mind. Like, it's not, I'm not going to take it personally. If someone else really wants to start, if they're better in that situation, let's remember that 24 hour this year was only my second pro kart race ever so starting that in a field of nearly 100 karts would be crazy at side as well which is notorious for carnage on the first lap in 24 hours we just let the guy who owns the kart most experienced, his quick look is and uh, we let him go out and uh, and sort it but no I've never had any issues with, with any of my teammates really let alone about um, starts or anything
1: no, That's fair enough, I mean it all sounds really really good it sounds like a good team vibe, team environment um, I'm going to I mentioned because we spoke briefly before you come on the show, Alex, and of course, there was one race in particular I was interested to get a little bit more detail about. Um, you mentioned you raced a lot in Tesla, but of course, you've done your racing at Milton Keynes, in particular, in one track, obviously, the Daytona Circuit. The circuit, of course, they're talking about the WTF1 race where they were going around there. Um, you, your team did rather well. Um, you got a P3, which was a big result for you, but um. I mean, it might be best if you sort of describe how it went down, because you were saying to me you were gutted that you weren't able to get the win. How did that all go about?
0: Yeah, it, a part of it still hurts, Adam. But um, it's, you know, in the lead-up to race, everything was great. We had a team together of five, which is genuinely, I believe, the strongest team I've ever been in. Um, all so well-matched. We all get on so well. We've been racing together at Tamworth, at Daytona-Tamworth in that in series for the last three, four years. Uh, we all get on fantastically well and we're all on a good level uh, of pace, all very equal. So there's no huge disparity, which I think is a big thing in a team because it's all well and good having one quick driver. But if you've got two slow drivers, it cancels out all their good work. So um, all on a very good, good level, all very happy with the car, all feeling good on on the Saturday morning for for the practice, got into qualifying. uh, Andy Spencer, who we drafted in um, and is an absolute rocket, put it on pole. Um, I think two chances ahead of a team that was running ten kilos underweight. So uh, that just shows how how impressive his lap was. I mean, do they uh, sort
1: of scrutinise in terms of the weight of the carts? Because I'm quite surprised to hear that. Because I know, of course, you can't count, you can't cater for the weight of the driver. But if someone's running a lot lighter, I mean, do, do they check for those sort of things, or do they just have to meet a minimum
0: weight? Yeah, so after you go out, it's similar to F1. When they go out for the first time in qualifying, they're in Park Firm there. When you go out for the first time in qualifying at the Daytona 24, you're under weight restrictions. So I think it, it might be 185 carton and driver. I think the cart's maybe 114 or, or something like that. Um, and these guys obviously came in underweight. Um, I, I'm not sure how they managed that. Maybe they didn't fuel um, before practice and the fuel bay closed, but... <laughs>
1: Well, I know we were looking at automated racing series, but I think that's kind of taken the biscuit a little bit. I don't think I'd be too popular being drafted into those. I'm not exactly what you would call lightweight. Um, so I don't think many of the teams would be looking my way, regardless of any sort of talent I think I might have. But yeah, of, of, of course, you know, back to the actual race itself. So obviously, you know, qualifying seem to be going well. You're obviously, you guys want a height. I'm guessing that you guys probably felt that today could be your day going in with so much speed, of course, between a lot of years.
0: Yeah, I remember speaking to, um, uh, I was interviewed by by one of the people who was who was doing some filming uh, for Daytona and they said, you know, looking good. Last year didn't go well. What's, do you think this year's the year? A similar question to what you've just asked. And I remember saying, it's all well and good being on pole. We've got 24 hours. You know, last year we started third and finished ninth. Um, so anything can, anything can go wrong and anything could go wrong. So I, I did say we were going to take it second at a time but i'll be honest as soon as that first lap ticked over and andy was starting to pull out a lead i was thinking all right okay we, we can do this um so andy did about an hour and a half and it, it was looking good i hopped in the cart for the second stint and uh, about half an hour 45 minutes into the stint uh, there was a, a big hesitation on power out of the, the the hairpin at the back corner which leads onto the longest straight on the track so and initially i just You know, knocked off. uh, Sort of ignored it as as one of them things. As you know, when you're leading the race, you you notice these little things. And um, but it kept happening, and it gradually got worse to the point where I was losing two, three, four seconds a lap. um, And I was on the radio. Um, I can't say what I was saying. (laughs) um,
1: (laughs) Something like the Kimi uh, Raikkonen playbook, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, I wasn't happy at all. Uh, Not at the team, but at the fact that this was going wrong, and I could feel it getting worse. and it, it got to a point where it wasn't just that back corner. It was out of every slow speed corner. I'd put my foot down on the cart, would just bog and not do anything. So I made the decision to bring it in. And when I was on the way bridge in the pit lane, the thing blew up. So if I would have continued on, it didn't blow up as an explode, but it, it cut out, carting term for blow up. Um, so if I'd have continued on to turn one, I would have... <laughs> stopped at turn one and we'd have to be recovered by the truck which would have cost at least 10 more minutes so um almost a blessing in disguise me bringing it in but we we ended up dropping down to 33rd I think we lost about 13 minutes in the pits and um it, it was due to a coolant issue I did forget to mention that we we originally told it was a spark plug well I'm sure I was told it was a spark plug so I was like okay and then about two weeks ago I found out it was a uh, a coolant leak so um, I'm not really sure how that happened but you know, that's most racing it happens. We got our heads back down as disappointed as we all were. Uh, I think there's famously a video of me kicking over one of the pit lane bollards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I, I wasn't happy at all. Um yeah, you know, we got our heads back down, we, we kept pushing, never gave up. And um we're just sort of chipping away, just one position, another position, another position. You know, we got up to 20th, then 15th, then 10th, then fifth. And then I think with about 20 minutes to go, we were chasing down uh, third place and, and we, we managed to get them. And for the last 15 minutes, it was just sort of, you know, we just sort of relaxed. And um, yes, Andy brought it back home across the line in third and um, super happy. It, it's good just considering the circumstances, but um, in all honesty, we should have won.
1: Yeah, we've had a lot of that this season. I think Lando Norris could probably relate yeah. to that to a degree with his experience in Sochi. Um, but but yeah, I mean, that, that's a really, really interesting story, Alex. And I can totally understand the frustrations. And I think sometimes, even when you're, you know, even if you don't have much experience, sometimes you can go around for a while and you can feel when something's not quite right. Even if it's in the seat of your pants in the way that Nicky Lauda quite famously described a lot during his career in F1. And... It always feels like when something's not going quite going right, the first thing you kind of think is, oh, God, I'm losing power or I'm not going as fast, and you start to panic. I'm guessing as you're going around, you're probably dealing with the nerves as best as you can or you're in some sort of a groove. I suppose when you're back out on track and you're trying to hunt everybody down, all of that nerve and mental anguish that probably had early on just goes out the way, and you're almost just chasing everybody down without a care in the world, really.
0: Yeah, exactly. I remember for the for the first and um, when Andy was leaving away, I was probably as nervous and I don't know why it just came over me about 10 minutes before my stint. I was almost as nervous as I've ever been before getting in a cart because, you know, we were leading and it's relatively, you know, quite a big scale race for, for karting. Um, and I was about to hop in the cart and have to do the job and try and match Andy, which is, you know, it's not an easy job because, um, because Andy, Andy's uh, an absolute rocket. So we, um, yeah, once the issue happened, obviously the first stint, I think I drove relatively well, but it wasn't uh it, it wasn't my best, no mistakes, but you know, it just wasn't perfect consistency. I uh, could have done a bit better with traffic. Obviously the issue happened, nothing you can do. I came to the pits, got it fixed, and uh we sent the next driver back out because there was no point me going out for another half an hour then coming into pit again. Uh so we just cut that stint effectively short, sent another driver out and um they got on and, and when, as you said when I got back on it was all the nervous energy was just turned into um sort of want and desire to, to get forward and get back up the pack because we we believed we could still win you know we, we were very confident um, after about half an hour uh, I, I sort of calmed down and was like thought about it a bit more logically and thought okay um, we might have just got our bad luck first because it's 24 hours um unfortunately the teams who finished one and two were the only teams to not um to not have any problems and that's so, always um, the
1: way isn't it because you know I think probably a lot of people that don't appreciate it, if they don't know much about endurance racing is that you've mentioned obviously quite a few huge problems that you went through and of course if, if you didn't spot them they would have been a lot more severe than they actually were and the reality is is that everybody almost everybody at these events goes through some sort of reliability issue at some point or if someone's damaged the car I mean I can give you a tale from a casting experience I had at a circuit in Tilbury where I'd um, tried to go around sort um, a, a double apex right-hander and halfway through, there was a curb on the outside. And you know, as well as I do, at so many circuits, the curves aren't actual curves. They're like bollards almost, but they're yeah. just planted to the circuit. You're not supposed to go on them. And I'd gambled a little bit too much on the first apex to carry as much speed as possible. And half a wheel had kind of gone to the outside and the axle would, was there and it completely snapped in half the axle and the rear tires locked and i just kept spinning out almost like watching nikita mazapin on a regular basis just spinning out and you're thinking what is going on i got out of the cart and realized that the back the rear wheels weren't turning because the axle had completely snapped off and it was about uh one of them i think it's like a 15 millimeter thick one like really really thick one and yeah i my dad wasn't too impressed when i brought that back to him um, when they wheeled the cart back he said where's the axle and i said one here one here He's like, I had no idea how I did that. So, but the, that sort of thing can happen quite easily, um, you know, at karting circuits. And I can imagine when, with all due respect to your opposition, Alex, obviously when something like that happens, you're obviously thinking in your head, right, okay, how many laps are they going to lose? How many laps are we going to claw back? And uh, you're almost trying to do your maths homework whilst you're racing around, trying to figure out where you're going to end up at the end of it.
0: Yeah, I'm the worst for doing maths homework when I'm racing around. I mean, uh, just ask my dad, who usually sits on, on comms when I'm on, Uh, on on the commentary headset uh when i when i'm on the track i'm always he always tells me to just focus on what you're doing but i'm always thinking about okay what's this card you what's this card you i'm trying to work out their strategies whilst trying to work out my own as well uh i've got the worst i've got the worst mind for it but um i feel as if my mind always works in overdrive and always in a karting sense at least always thinks two three four five steps ahead um and, and tries to make it the best out of a what, what would have been a worse situation at, at uh, Milton Keynes but um, I think I think it's hard not to do As I consider myself quite a sportsman like person um, but at the same time you want to win oh absolutely and, yeah, yeah a little bit of reliability niggles wouldn't go too bad uh, over the car I had
1: yeah I mean you never really think too much especially for your own race you're never really thinking about oh what if this happens what if this happens I imagine the mindset um again my experience is rather limited to this to a shorter format but for yourself obviously when you're going out there you're doing a 90 minute stint I'd imagine the mentality is okay just got to go out there be fast be consistent don't make any silly mistakes and then by the time I finish my stint I can put my feet up and relax and hope my partners do the same I mean is there a lot of that going on really
0: yeah as, as I said earlier I tried to map out um what's been happening with the driver that's been on at the minute um, try and establish a goal of what to do. Whether that's make up positions, just be consistent, keep it on the black stuff. Um, you know, go go into the stint with a with a clear sort of vision of what I need to do, what position I'll be helping the car into, what the weather's going to do. Um, and as I said, hopefully there's someone on my my common, uh, comms as well on my radio um, who can just. I, I think it's so important having someone uh, on your radio throughout a twenty four because you know you know whether to battle whether to let a cart through it's just it's just very convenient and um but yeah as i said i think going into a stint with a clear sort of vision of what's going on and what situation you're in it is important for me
1: yeah no it really really sounds good and it's really interesting to hear about that because i imagine a lot of people obviously probably would have even heard of karting races that do an endurance format, especially one of 24 hours. Um, and they might be interested to get into something like that. But of course, before we talk about that, I'm, I'm interested to know about what your ambitions are for yourself and the team for next season. Of course, you mentioned the calendar being introduced. Obviously, you've got plans to do and races to go to. But what are your ambitions for next season with the team and uh, beyond that, I suppose, in endurance karting?
0: Yeah, well, next season, I'm uh, I'm leaving... Rethink. I'll leave and rethink at the end of the season, unfortunately, Uh, which it was a tough decision because um, I think them boys, they're they're fantastic. Honestly, a great, great group of lads. Um, Unfortunately, the performance isn't quite where uh, I or they would like it to be. It's not where we in the in BPEC, there's three classes. I should have specified this earlier, but there's uh, elite pro and clubman we race in the Clubman category um, and Rethink sort of struggled towards the midfield of that. Um, and I got offered a driver, a team called Modernised Racing for next year. Um, and uh, I had to say, uh, thank you very much, Rethink, but I'm going to take Modernised because um, they're, they're a strong team. They've won the Clubman Championship this year, I believe. They won the 24-hour this year. I believe they also won the 24-hour in Clubman last year as well. So they're a team that I suppose, has got a rich recent history in Clubman. And um, as I said, it, it wasn't easy leaving Rethink. Um, but as I say, they, they gave me my first proper taste of endurance karting in a series. So um, I'll be forever thankful for that. And uh, Modernised are also with her. So I'll, I'll be just across the garage from them. Uh, but to answer your question as to next year integrate myself into pro-karting because it's a completely different driving style. Um, I'm personally used to driving d uh, to then do the odd uh, pro-kart race. it's It takes some adjusting and I don't feel that like I'm sort of at the peak of what I can do. Um, however, next year, I think I'm going to be prioritising um, the pro-karting. So I think that will be the, um, be the goal to sort of get myself completely comfortable to the point where I can rock up to a race and be on pace with what I can do. Um, and have a good time. I think looking at the team, nothing, I don't think there's anything I can tell you, but uh, the, t- the team lineup for for next year is looking good. Um And can't wait to get going. But I think we've got a test there, uh, at the start of next year, so that'll be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, well, it sounds really exciting, Alex. And uh, I'll certainly be looking forward to seeing how you get on. Certainly hope to wish you the best of luck with that next season. I'm sure you do well. I imagine... uh Probably a bit cheeky to ask, but as you'll be overtaking your former teammates, maybe on occasion, might give them a little bit of a cheeky wave or perhaps uh, a few little hand signals, depending on how that goes down, maybe?
0: Yeah, um, I might have to I might have to give them a little, a little wave, a yeah, little goodbye. Just for a little bit obviously. of banter, you know, more than anything yeah. else. <laughs> They'll take it well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, out of curiosity, Alex, I know a lot of people listening to this might be interested in karting or might. You know, I've not even heard of a, a pro series like that in terms of karting. If if there was someone out there listening to this that wanted to get into something like the in, the BPEC series, um, what would you recommend to them as a way of sort of getting it, even if it's like an entry level or not necessarily BPEC, but any other pro karting series they think they might be capable of getting involved in?
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, as the day goes by, it, it gets tricky to get into motorsport. It's, it's so expensive nowadays. It's, um... It, it's almost ridiculous, but um, I'd, I'd suggest starting your local track, whether it's a team sport. I personally started at a place called Fast Lane in Fenton, um, and well, actually, if we're going to wind the clock back even further, uh, I started at uh, in Al in Portugal. I'm not sure if you're aware uh, of that place. It's a city, a town in Portugal, which has a, a a little karting. It's got a big karting track, and then it's got a little junior karting track. That's where I started. We go on holiday every year, me and my family, to Portugal. And one time we were out, we thought, "Oh, let's go!" Because we'd watched F one, but I'd never raced. I was about six, seven years old at the time, and uh, it was like, "Oh yeah, let's go and go and go on the carts." And I enjoyed it. And I got back and was like, "Kind of, kind of do karting." So went down to, as I mentioned, Fast Lane and did arrive and drive sessions every Saturday morning for for a couple of years, or about a year to get my and sort of improve. And then I went to Daytona in Manchester. Um, it's now team Sport, I believe, um, but we went to Daytona, did a what. Was, at the point, I think it was called a race school, to which I got my, I think it was a license to compete in their championship. Um, it wasn't tricky. It was turn up and, and do some racing lines and do a test on flags and stuff. And I've heard up, of those. Know. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I wasn't a fan of doing anything like that because I just figured at the time, do I really need to do that? I can turn up and just prove I'm good enough and I'm safe enough and that was it. But apparently it's a big thing now. All in the yeah, well I did
0: that to get entry into this championship I believe at the time. I don't think you need to do it anymore but you did so I did that um, started racing at, at Manchester for, for about a year and then uh, they opened up Tamworth which was uh, an outdoor track and I'd never done an outdoor track before other than this one in Portugal um, so never done an outdoor track competitively and obviously an outdoor track is a completely different kettle of fish uh, weather, temperature temperature uh, are just two of the factors that, that go into to making and depending depending on what the race looks like. So um, yeah, continue to race at, at Tamworth, building up my experience. Um, and as I say, it's just through people I know. So I think this sport is it's a lot about who you know. Um, it's important to 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 get them contacts, which I have built up for, as I said, racing at Daytona and Tamworth in their in cart series for the last couple of years. Um, if if you have the money, you can go out and buy a cart and take it to Testo's. days. Um, but I wouldn't just go and buy a car and then take it out as your first experience. I'd, I'd massively recommend if, if you've got a day to after local to do it, do their, their in cart series or you know not a few other their series or even if it's just arrive and drives, which is what I started in, just to see if you really like it because carts aren't cheap and if you're going to go into the owner cart sort of world, I think you need to be sure that you're it, it's right for you and you're going to enjoy it because it's not only is it very expensive, it's a lot of hard work as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I can certainly detest to that. Um, from my own experience from growing up as well, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of showing my age here. I remember the first kart track I ever went to was a place called uh, F1 City. It was over at City Airport. Um, okay. And yeah, this is this is me definitely showing my age. I think I was about six or seven years old, first time I ever went out in a kart. And literally, the bless of the old lady that ran the place, uh, I'm not sure she's around anymore, sadly. Um, she used to keep telling me off because I used to kept trying to overtake people with sessions where they didn't want you to do that. They wanted you to just go around and have fun because you're all kids are like, oh, no one do anything silly. So you just get told off a lot for doing that. But as you said, you know, lots of people have their local circuits. The best place it goes to arrive and, you know, just try it out. See if you like it. There's plenty of stuff online, of course, you can look at if you want to be competitive, as you mentioned, you know, that series as well. Um, and th- that's kind of what it's all about with with racing. In general, it's not a cheap sport, unfortunately. You go to most kart circuits, you do a, like a ride and drive session for half an hour and it'll set you back about 30-odd pound minimum. Um, and, you know, so you really got to kind of be in it and have a little bit of money on you to kind of make that a regular thing. But it's definitely something to get involved in. I, it's something I wish I was more involved in when I was growing up and competing in racing but obviously I was trying to do every sport I could imagine so uh, yeah it was a bit of a nightmare uh, nightmare with that one but um no it was really really good to talk to you on that one alex um of course I will leave a link in the description to bpec and to yourself of course um are they doing any more live streams next season that you're aware of or was it just for the WTF1 event
0: uh, alpha live as i said do stream the um the 24 hour uh every year but i believe that's the only one that they they live stream uh, right life because of it it's, it it's a huge event it's uh, a very big scale and a lot of people tune in um, to, to watch along so that's um, I think it's something like this I, I can't remember the dates but it's sometime early on in August next year if, if anyone's interested and unlike me plans that far ahead um, <laughs> it's around that time in August if, if anyone wants to tune in it's completely free it's on YouTube and it, it's a good watch the commentators and the, the the producers do a good job of putting together a, a good production.
1: Yeah, sounds really good. Anyone that is interested, of course, as I said, I'll leave a link to Alex's uh, Instagram and of course Alf Live as well, just to make sure that if they do do an event like that again this year, then people be able to check that out. I mean, those 24-hour events are always fun to watch from time to time. It's kind of like the, um, the Le Mans race, I suppose, for, as, a, as a glorified example, I suppose, or something similar um, on a much grander scale that you kind of, you, you put it on and you, you're watching it in stages. I, don't, I, I mean, there are hardcores that watch it for 24 hours straight. I don't know how they manage that. Um, I always like to dip in and out and obviously see the main parts at the start at the end, but it's always fun stuff to get into. And sometimes you know, it's for those, the hardcore that just love racing, I don't think there's an experience quite like an endurance race, so I definitely recommend those of you that haven't tried it before, definitely try it, i certainly got to get out there and do a little bit more of that myself, um, but let's move on a little bit, uh, uh, Alex, um, before we come on, you know, we were talking about some of the other stuff that you had done involved with racing, um, you mentioned some charity work that you did, or you went to a race where you were able to raise some money for Sporting Minds UK, um, could you tell us a little bit more about what that was? Because that sounded like quite an interesting story and a successful day for you.
0: Yeah, I've been um, I've been lucky enough to work with with Sporting GK who've grown exponentially over the last sort of year for completely the right reasons. I think we'll all agree. Um, I was I was lucky enough to work with them uh, throughout uh, the back end of last year. I believe um, it was as I say that I mentioned we did the twenty four hour in. Uh, Milton Keynes Daytona for uh, with the three that was the one we did with Sporting Minds we got these suits made up Sporting Minds UK down the side similar to the Red Bull suits you know how they sort of had Red Bull down the side oh I like but that we sort yeah. of took um took a page out of their book and, and threw Sporting Minds down the side I think they look really cool we've had positive and negative reviews uh, my mum not being a fan but um, oh really yeah I know I was Uh, she wasn't happy at all but um, I mean can so we mums do that? Bit.
1: Just yeah. an can mum's actually, because rep- for I mean, my mum's my biggest fan. I don't, I have no shame in admitting that. She's lovely like that. Um, and I'm not just saying it for her benefit because she listens to this, it's true. But I'm surprised that it, you, what did your mum not like about the uh, the racing attire?
0: I don't know. She, she said it was boring and uh, it doesn't stand out. <laughs> so uh, we, we've given her a little bit more creative control over the, the new suits next year. That's oh,
1: sure. right. So that's what it's all about. She was sort of subtly hinting that she wanted yeah. creative control. Right, right. So she's bound to like it this year then.
0: I hope so. If not, we've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, Alex's mum, yeah. Hope you do a good job. I'll certainly be keeping an eye out for it and let her know what I think. I'm sure it'll turn out to be really, really good. Mum's know best, don't they? So,
0: of course, of course. But back to the back to sporting minds. I was, um, as I said, lucky to work with them. They're a great charity run by fantastic people with a fantastic message. I think um, providing um, it, it's free mental health and support sessions uh, therapy for. Uh, athletes between the ages of 16 and 30 I think it, it's addressing what really is a prominent issue in in today's world unfortunately and um, I say a charity that is quite close to my heart because um, as I say it's got an important message and um, I think it's going about things the complete right way so as I say we were, we were lucky enough to to be able to work with them uh, raised just under 700 pounds I think for them uh, in in in, in the time period that we were fundraising, would have liked to raise a little bit more, but um, I think seven hundred for what was a relatively new charity at the time. Um, I think it, I think it was. Um, I hope it was well received by them, and um, which I'm sure it was, and went on to 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 provide a lot of help for a lot of important things. Which, as I say, I'll be um, quite proud about.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And so you should be. That's a fantastic amount of money. And and considering it's for a casting event as well, you wouldn't expect to raise as much money as that. So no, no, Kurt, that was a fantastic. You know, well done for that. Uh certainly be looking forward to seeing obviously, you know, the great work that Sports in Minds UK do. Of course, as someone that has had some mental health issues in the past, I can certainly, you know, relay to the fact of how important um, it, it is to address those issues for so many young people to just have the forum and the support to be able to just talk about these issues and address them before they can, you know, get overwhelmingly uh, dangerous to not only the livelihoods of those that are involved but those that, you know, that care about them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, no, that's a really, really fantastic cause, Alex, and you know, well done for your work and your efforts on that, as of many other people, of course, that have been involved in Sporting Minds UK, and of course, I will leave a link to their socials as well for anyone that wants to know more and of course if there are anyone out there that does require any support and just to let them know where they can go to get that um seeing as we're sort of moving along with the topics um let's have a little talk about some of the stuff that you've done for like esports and online work as well because you and I obviously we know each other through a little bit of a past in commentary and some online gaming on the f1 game in particular um Obviously, my story is quite straightforward, um, but how did you get involved in that sort of thing? Because it's quite a good network of young people that sort of go online together. They'll have some online leagues and races. I know we see the stuff on F1 Esports, that's on TV at the moment, um, and obviously the big stars in that. But of course, that kind of sprouted, if you like, organically from so many online league, league races that have been going on probably since you know F- Formula, Formula One games or even on consoles like Xboxes and Playstations
0: yeah um as i say I, I started out in league racing back in the league called uh, you'll remember adam gprl um which i just joined i was looking for a league um i think it, it was back on f1 2017 if i'm not mistaken um, i was getting into the game more i was i was enjoying it i was i was getting quicker and um i was like let's let's, let's join a league because I, I was watching you know your, your TM at Mardik if Tom ninety seven was doing YouTube back then, oh uh, wow, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, entirely sure. No events to tell me if he's watching. Um, them sort of guys who would would go and do league races. Um, uh, I was almost inspired by them to, to to go and join the world and just not not really seriously, but do it every Friday at five o'clock and rock up and and, and try and put together a good race. I think the best I managed that season was fourth at Canada, uh, which I still remember because I was quite quite proud of that result. Um, and then at the end of the first season, the, um, the ownership um, decided to leave, um, decided to step down. Um, for whatever reason, he couldn't keep up. Uh, he couldn't do it. So um, I put myself forward to, to run the league and um, just oversee everything, what was going on. It was very out of the blue. I was very inexperienced, but I got it alongside an, an, another player and uh you know we, we sort of managed it and just before the second season i was starting to think because this is when um vision racing league vrl was sort of coming through and FEL of course mm. uh, which me and you're both very familiar with um starting to break through with the whole commentary side and at this point in time we didn't have um a commentary sort of a team we didn't have a streaming platform we didn't stream it it wasn't broadcast so um with my vision to compete with with them two leagues i took the plunge to not race and instead commentate uh, myself over uh, over the races which i believe i did for four seasons if i'm not mistaken or four and a half, four and a bit and then it stopped i think three or four races into season six because uh we, we lost all our drivers to, to vrl uh, we sort of collapsed into a, a sister league for them um which I think was good because it integrated me with a lot of the people I still speak to today um it's a great great group of people and as I said I got a commentary uh, I'm not going to say job but I was commentating uh for them on Sundays sometimes alongside yourself uh Adam sometimes uh you were commentating over me racing on uh, in VRLF too. so um yeah that, that's sort of how the esports thing uh, I'd say started
1: yeah, because it's quite a nice community. Obviously, you know, young men and women obviously want to just get involved. You, you can do that. There are so many great online leagues out there. For some people, it's just a case of you go on YouTube, for example, and, and most of these leagues usually broadcast or stream their races live for them on uh, on YouTube, for example, or even Twitch in some cases. And for some people that want to get involved that don't know much about online leagues, um, it was fairly new to me when I was... Uh, racing on F1 games like when Cody's were first doing their F1 games on 2010 and that this is when like league racing become a thing and it was only a few years after that where I actually started getting involved in that myself playing on a PlayStation for example and it's just grown so much more now that anybody can get involved in that and of course if you are interested guys there are so many leagues out there you just have to look up league racing loads of different leagues if you want to get involved just find their socials and just say look if you've got any spots and just find out their date and times and it's a great way to sort of compete and have some fun with your mates really I feel like it's a niche that has existed for about a decade now and of course you have your esports series and other games etc and you know but f1 it's been a bit different and now it's being glamorized now in the way that it is on the esports scene there's so many people are coming in so i definitely recommend it and, and like you said alex it, it's mostly about connecting and networking with people from all over europe and the world in some cases if you haven't got to worry about lag for example because of course you, some people have that a bit worse than others depending on their internet connections but it's a great way to connect with people and meet new people and build friendships as
0: well yeah, no doubt. I, I completely agree. Um, as I say, I, I, as I mentioned a minute ago, I still speak to some of the people on a, on a daily basis. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd actually consider some of them my friends, even though I'd, I've never met any of them. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd say great group of people. And um, yeah, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. And of course, it's always an opportunity for people to try their hand at commentary as well, which is surprisingly more fun than I thought it would be actually. I I mean we see some people obviously in on the online scene like I think George Morgan, for example, a yeah. really, really good commentator. I admire his passion, admire his enthusiasm. I remember once actually he was he kindly reached out to me on social media. Um, and I'd heard of him, um, literally, I'd heard of him. I'd heard his commentary, and he's a uh, yeah, certainly admire his uh, enthusiasm and, and the effort and the energy that he brings to his streams when he commentates. So I think he's in PSGL, I think, something like that yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And he actually asked me if I wanted to be involved in um, some commentary with him as, a, uh, as an assistant commentator. And I was definitely up for it, but given my situation, I'd just moved a house and my internet was a bit of a mess and I just didn't wasn't really able to do it so I had to pass that up but it's kind of nice when you do something like that and certain yeah. people that you know of or that are actually doing really well in that scene and I'm sure George will make it professionally one day he's really really good so yeah, yeah. it's it's always fun to you know to network with people like that and as I said commentary is surprisingly more fun being able to talk about F1 and racing etc I mean that's kind of why I have a podcast really to be able to do that yeah. Um you never know guys but as I said if you want to get involved in that sort of thing guys just look up league racing um, I, I'm sure FEL, they still do league races, don't they?
0: No, they don't actually. Oh, they, they don't? don't. Yeah, about a month ago, I believe, and VRL also stopped. Uh, yeah. They sure, I think. I, I'm, I can't remember. <laughs> and I know, the last yeah. of three months have been that crazy. Yeah, it's it's all gone into a blur. But yeah, uh, the, the ones that I think we were majorly involved in have come to an unfortunate end. But yeah. Um, as one comes to an end, another one opens. So there's going to be exactly. thousands of leagues out there if anyone's looking for it. And I genuinely would, even if it's just for a bit of fun with your mates or it's a bit more competitive. Um, as Adam said, go and do it. You won't regret it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is a lot of fun. Of course, it's just a game at the end of the day, guys. So, you know, don't take it too seriously. It's not like real life casting, like what Alex does. That's the important stuff. Um, but look, it, it, speaking of real life, let's get into F1, of course. Now, you know, you've listened to this podcast in the past Alex you know what we're about for those that aren't familiar with us of course we do love to talk F1 it's in part the name badge as well the F1 at the end Um, and this season we have been really treated by an incredible battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen now I know of course judging by your incredibly designed crash helmet that we were talking about and I really admire that design I must say and you could of course for those that don't know um, Alex you can go into details a little bit about that in a moment Um, but as a bit of a Lewis Hamilton fan, um, if you don't mind me asking, how have you rated this season so far? Are you enjoying the fact that Lewis has got himself an incredible battle, one that he may not win against Max Verstappen, or uh, are you a little bit worried, perhaps, that this championship is not going to go to him as easily as perhaps uh, with respect the others have?
0: Do you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you here, Adam, and probably the viewers as well. I'm not a Lewis Hamilton fan.
1: Well, there's my credibility gone I'm, then.
0: I'm not, a, I'm not a Lewis Hamilton hater, <laughs> um, but um, as I say, I got the helmet because um, I think I had one of, or a similar design to one of his older ones. Uh, I saw this on, I think it was CM Racing Helmets or something on Instagram. I thought, that's amazing. So I sort of had my own twist on it. I had the number 34 and I had, um, instead of ham on the back, I had BOM for Bombberg. So it was sort of my own little twist. And I thought the helmet itself was really nice. Um, completely stole this design and everything Um, (laughs) but I'd say that's not the helmet I run at the minute I have the I'm not sure if if um, If you've
1: got it I'd love to see I I don't have it
0: on it's it's back at home but I have the um, right now it's just a black carbon helmet Um, I'm not sure if you want to edit this over but
1: oh no I can see that yeah that looks very good so those watching on YouTube will enjoy that but of course uh, Alex is just showing me a picture of him with his black yeah. carbon design but that does look pretty slick i'm not gonna lie alex um even if you do nothing to it after it does look pretty cool and obviously on the hamilton front kids that's why you do your research about your guests before coming on the show why you don't look like an idiot like i just did but i digress um so yeah on the formula one stuff how have you rated the season so far alex have, have you been enjoying it so
0: far yeah i think the season's been fantastic it's been uh great to see uh a proper championship fight. I think one for the ages. I think we'll look back at the season in 10 years' time the same way we look back at 2012, 2010. Um, You know, them them iconic title showdowns 2008, 2007, spring to mind. And I'm sure many, many more before my time. Um, You know, we we, we still talk about Senna Prost. We still talk about... um, Schumacher and Villeneuve um I'm really trying to wrap my brain now but um <laughs> yeah I think it's been one for the ages it's had some very decisive and um almost hollywood moments if we think back to silverstone monza which have been you know you know edge of the seat absolutely crazy and it's been it's been fantastic absolutely fantastic to watch along i was saying um during the usa grand prix i was watching with two of my mates the other day it's been rare that we've had a bad race in formula 1 you know we went to Spain, which was a good race, which is notoriously a bit of a snooze fest. We went to Russia, which is arguably one of the worst tracks for overtaking on the calendar historically. And we had a fantastic race. Norris nearly won it. So it's been, you know, we got that Ocon win in Hungary, which is usually a bit processional. It's been absolutely here, there, and everywhere, which is fantastic. Not only is it great for, for us watching, I think it's great for the sport as well. We saw at the weekend how much F1's grown in, in America. And uh, I think that overall audience boost is, is fantastic. And um, to answer your question, yeah, it's fantastic. I Massively, massively enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, no, you sound out really, really well. Um, I mean, of course, the influx of American fans into the sport driven by, in a way, by the success of the Drive to Survive series, although hardcore fans will probably have their complaints as well to go with that. I know I certainly did. But yeah. the aim of it was obviously to try and paint Formula 1 in, in a light to new fans. Probably didn't give it the time of day of the past. And now you see a packed out Cota circuit with over 400,000 fans, which is a attendance that will rival any other circuit in the world, if not beat it. Um, so it, it just shows the power F1 has. It's just such a shame that from what I've been hearing, this Andretti deal looks like it's off mm. with Salba, which is a real shame because I think F1 needs an American team or at least a team that's got American foundations in the sport. I know we have Haas, but as I said before, it's practically a Swiss outfit with Gene Haas signing the checks. That's literally as American as it gets. So I'm sure they'll sort something out in the future It's bound to happen sooner rather than later. But going to the main championship so far, Alex, I'm going to put you on the spot here because, of course, we have loads of things we can say positively about Lewis Hamilton. We have loads of things we can say positively about Max Verstappen. But when it's all said and done and we cross the line at Abu Dhabi at the season's end, who do you think is going to be standing on the top step as the world champion?
0: Verstappen. Oh,
1: you didn't have to think
0: about that one, did you? Uh, I, I was thinking about it as you said it, but I think um, there's, I've been reading um, a few things on Twitter that Red Bull... Um, they brought a new front wing to Istanbul, I believe, which they struggled to get on top of, um, which set them back in both Istanbul and the race after that, which was, help me out. What was the race after Istanbul? It was, um, I want to
1: say, I want, I want to say America, wasn't it? Go straight to USA. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we did. I feel exactly. like I'm being really stupid. No, I understand the point you're making because you're you, you're absolutely right. I I just think yeah, it it must have been it must have been because I can't think of any race in between unless I've completely no. gone blank. Let's just agree and say if the, look the comments will correct us if we're wrong on this one. Sure, <laughs> um, but yeah, that I I absolutely understand that and that absolutely makes sense because of course the turkey track surface was they said it was back to where they wanted it to be. But there was still Mm. so much uncertainty. The weather didn't really help the case. And even if it was a dry day, it looked like Mercedes looked relatively comfortable on that circuit, which of course breathed new life into the championship, particularly with the rear suspension trick that Mercedes have, or at least that they've tuned to be a bit more effective, if you like, than the other teams that use the same sort of system. And for me, I kind of worried that... For Red Bull's sake, if you like, that, you know, as far as the competitive championship goes, it was brilliant that Mercedes had found pace that they could be on par with them. But it seems like what we saw this weekend, whilst that may be the case, Max Verstappen in particular and Red Bull still perhaps hold a vital edge mentally as well as competitively that could see them to the title. Do you feel that that could be the
0: case? Yeah, I I completely agree. That's what I was trying to elaborate before. Uh, The gap between Istanbul and USA uh, made me unstuck. But um, (laughs) yeah, I think certainly what this weekend proves, or I should say last weekend proves more than anything, is the fact that I think Red Bull are now back with the quickest car because as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure you'll agree, Adam, they've gone to what is notoriously a Mercedes track and beat them. It was close. It was very close. Um, three or four more laps. I think Lewis could have had Max, uh, maybe even one or two more laps. We'll never know. But that doesn't matter. Max won the race and he got the 25 points to go with it. So I think no doubt it's um, it's a bit of an uphill battle for Mercedes, especially with tracks such as Mexico and Brazil coming up, which, you know, the rebels' back garden, I'd argue Abu Dhabi will be close. And as as we spoke about many times before, Qatar and Jeddah are two unknowns. So I think um, I think this championship is really going to come to. I think it's going to go down to Abu Dhabi. I really hope it does. Not just in the drivers, um, with Perez showing the form he showed this weekend. I think it's got to be a positive sign for Opel. Uh He could have been on pole. Obviously, the rain at the end of qualifying did affect him. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be close. But ultimately, if if you he held a gun to my head and I had to pick, uh, you know, red or blue, I, I'd go with um, I'd go with Max and. Um, So he's got it in the bag.
1: I mean, it just shows a testament to Max Verstappen in particular. And and of course on this podcast historically and probably in recent weeks we probably praised Lewis Hamilton probably a little bit more out of the two of them perhaps we haven't really given Max a fair deal on this one in the past and you know we try to be as impartial as you can on this podcast guys so I apologize if you feel that we are trying to be partisan to one drive or the other it, it changes from week to week literally it was one week I was singing Lewis's praises I think there was an episode specifically dedicated to me saying Lewis needs to improve he's not been good enough Um, And then, of course, Monza happened, which, you know, wasn't Lewis's fault. It was just complete chaos between the two of them. But my point being is that it's amazing how we can look at someone like Max Verstappen as incredibly gifted and talented and mentally strong behind the wheel as he has demonstrated this season and almost unanimously feel confident that he's going to go and win it all against arguably the greatest driver of all time. Definitely the most successful, who's still driving at pretty close to the peak of his powers. It just shows how great this championship has been for so many different reasons. And I agree with you, Alex, we can try and dissect race to race to race. Of course you've mentioned Brazil and Mexico look like Red Bull havens, so to speak. Um, if Mercedes get results there over, then that's definitely going to lay down a marker. And of course we're going to go to Qatar, which looks like it could be a Red Bull circuit. Um, at the Lasali circuit given the nature of it and arguably the Saudi Arabian circuit could be more a Mercedes circuit the way that that track layout looks to be and if of course it gets built in time there's still a lot apparently that needs to be finished in a very short amount of time it's only a couple of months away so hopefully they get a move on Um, but look I I think we're pretty close to about An hour or so, so I think it's a good way to wrap this up. Um, but Alex, of course, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DNF1F1 podcast. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about your experiences in karting, um, and of course, all the charity work that you've done, etc. etc. Um, for the benefit of our listeners and followers, where can they find you on social media to learn a bit more about you and your karting ventures?
0: Yeah, first of all, it's been a pleasure, thank you very much, Adam. Um, it- very happy to be on, uh, happy to be back whenever you want me. So uh, just, just drop me a message. Oh, I'll definitely be calling you back again, don't worry. Yeah, we'd more than happily rejoin, uh, whether if it's for a review or a preview, or again, something similar to like this. Uh, social media-wise, I'm on Instagram, at Alex Bomberg, nice and easy. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be linked, if not. you know, oh,
1: We'll link it, don't worry, yeah.
0: There we go. Uh, so it'll be in the description. Twitter, as I'm not very active on Twitter, but if you really want to, you can follow me. And... Um, but yeah, if you if you if you're trying to follow me, Instagram is probably the place to go. I I give my updates usually through the stories, um, so make sure you, you keep on the ball and, and open up the stories. But um, yeah, I try and document my my racing career as well as possible through Instagram, uh, as much as I maybe don't like posting loads. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Instagram is the way to go. But as I said, thank you, Adam. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, really enjoyed being on
1: yeah no it's absolutely been fun having you on it's it's crazy it doesn't feel like it's been an hour but you know when you're chatting away it's always yeah. a good thing as well <laughs> hopefully it made for a good episode for you guys listening in on the podcast as well but of course for those of you that do listen to us regularly you will know that our next episode will be coming up next week we will be discussing and previewing the Mexican Grand Prix of of course our favorite Mexican F1 fan a girl talks F1 Menena she will be back with us for a third time on the DNF1 F1 podcast to give us her take on what she expects to go down at the mexican grand prix and i've got a sneaking suspicion she might be favoring a certain mr checo perez to get the chequered flag but of course we will talk about that in more detail next week on the next episode of the podcast but until next time guys thank you so much for tuning in please stay safe and we'll see you on the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care sports social podcast network